You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Reality Honolulu. As always, on Sundays for this digital house church season that we're in. Um, I hope to, in the next few weeks, give some kind of better news, greater news, hopeful news, uh, some more details of actually us going back to in-person gathering in the near future. There's been some exciting developments on, um, on that, so I, I kind of will leave you hanging for a moment um, so that you'll come back next week or whatever. Um, and another note on that, though, please come back next week because... Next week on Sunday, we're going to celebrate three years as a church years old. I know some of you have just joined us, uh, and some of you have been even before the church started and helped start the church. And so uh, isn't that crazy that we're three years old? But I want to encourage you to come next Sunday because I, I want to just share some of our story, be rem- maybe remind you or maybe you hear for the first time kind of how faithful, not kind of, really how faithful God has been to us as a church family over the past three years and uh, just looking forward to what he wants to do in our midst. But just so glad you're here. Uh, love for you to join us next week as well as we just testify is what we want to do. Um, in addition to worship, and exalting the Lord in our homes and taking communion together after this, we want to dig into the Word of God, right? The the God-breathed, God-inspired Word. And so we are in the book of Acts, as you know. And if you don't know, we are. We're in Acts chapter 13. Uh, We've been moving our way through it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, since the beginning of this new year. And it's really carried us through this whole season of COVID. And um, and the Word of God is so rich and wonderful and amazing and life-giving. View the world and be the church in the midst of times like this. And so um, why don't you open with me to Acts chapter 13. We're going to be in verses 4 through 12 is going to be our text today. Um, If you've missed any, kind of want to catch up or or look back to even last week or whatnot, as always on our website, realityhonolulu.com, you can go and find past teachings and past uh, house churches as well as all kinds of resources and anything else you may need. But let's dig into the Word of God. Let's read it together, and then I'd love for you to join with me in it this morning. And so Acts 13 verses 4 through 12, we pick up just as Paul and Barnabas and John Mark here uh, are endeavoring on their first missionary journey. And so it picks up right where we left off last week in verse 4 of chapter 13. It says this, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salimus, I don't know how to say that, but there you go, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. Um, they were met, there they met a Jewish sorcerer, the false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. 
The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the holy, said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You will never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun immediately. Mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed and was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. For your word, thank you that we have it in front of us to hear you speak to us through this morning. And God, we invite you, we ask you to come and speak to us now as we dig in and unpack and look into what does this mean? What's happening here and how does it apply to us? God, thank you that you want to grow us. You want us to mature. You want us to become more like you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you have your way with us? Speak through me. God, I want to be your vessel and your mouthpiece this morning for your glory. And as a church together, right in front, uh, uh, right now, in, uh, in one place, we ask that you'd meet us where we're at. We look forward um, to when we can gather in person. But thank you that, Holy Spirit, you're not restricted by anything that you desire to use whatever screen is being watched for your glory. Have your way, Lord. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we pick up in this story when the Holy Spirit we see here is leading Paul and Barnabas' missions. If you had a map or if you want to Google it right now, you would know that where they've been is Antioch, just kind of inland in, in modern-day Syria. And they go to this port city, Seleucia, however you want to say that, um, and they take a boat to this island off the coast. Um, if, you, if you know anything about kind of the, the eastern Mediterranean, the island of Cyprus there, they sail from the port city kind of in uh, southern Turkey, northern Syria today, to across the Mediterranean, uh, just a little bit into it, to the island of, of Cyprus. And that's where they start their time telling those about Jesus. And they actually travel all the way across Cyprus to the other side, to the west coast, to Paphos, or Paphos, however you say that. Um, and, and they're preaching the gospel. And we see there's a few different kind of characters uh, that, that is introduced here. But what we see here is that this is the very first time outside of, you know, Israel and, and kind of Syria and kind of traveling by, by, by you know, road or, or, or whatnot. This is the first time that the gospel now is going forth. You, you would say the first, for the first of Paul's missionary journeys gets on a boat and the gospel is now going forth where it has never been before. This would be like the very first overseas missions trip where, uh, I don't know if 
if you've, you've been on one, but it's this like, exciting, unknown feeling of, of going to a place you've never been. You're led by the Lord. God is leading you there to go and share the good news of what Jesus did upon the cross and the hope and salvation that is for everyone because of that. And so these are uh, Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark, or Mark. He, he's the author of the uh, book of Mark, the gospel of Mark that we know well. And so Mark, he's, it says he's a helper here, but he's, um, he's really seen a lot. He has been with Jesus. He has witnessed the life of Jesus and the start of the early church, so much so that he can write the gospel account of Mark. But it's Paul and it's Barnabas and it's Mark. They, they set out from Seleucia across the Mediterranean to the island of Cyprus, and they journey from, from east to west preaching the gospel. And uh, if we ever get a chance as a church to kind of go to that region and do a Bible tour, I, I would love it. Um, me and my wife got an opportunity to go to Cyprus on our way to Egypt several years ago. And so when I'm reading this, we actually went from, from Paphos all the way from the, the West Coast to the East Coast. So the opposite journey that Paul did. And uh, we were actually were late for our flight. And so we were taking a bus. And so we went really fast across the country. Um, and, but but, I, but I, I understand a bit. Like, I've seen it where this story takes place. This is a real place. Like, Cyprus is a real island. You can go to these real cities. And we actually stayed a night in Paphos where the majority of our story took place. And so if we ever get a chance, uh, church, to go to Israel and that region, it is unbelievable because the Bible just pops out and comes alive and you're in these places. But again, we're in COVID, so... We'll put that on the shelf for now, but we'll pray that in. Maybe God has that for us one day. But what I want to look at today is I want to look at the spiritual warfare or the spiritual opposition that happens as Paul and Barnabas and, and Mark begin to preach the gospel. They're led by the Holy Spirit to preach the good news of who Jesus is. God's kingdom is going forth, and they encounter opposition. It's not at first, because what they first do as they arrive to Cyprus, what do they do? They find a Jewish synagogue, right? Because they're used to that. They're Jews themselves. Uh, you know, Paul, he's, he's like the Jew of Jews. He's, he's the man, but he's been converted. And he knows now that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that, that Jews have been waiting for for centuries, for millennia, that their prophets spoke of. Jesus was the one to fulfill those prophecies. Jesus Christ Jesus of Nazareth, who died on the cross in Jerusalem, is the promised Messiah. And so Paul and Barnabas and Mark, the first thing they do, they go to the Jewish synagogue and they begin to share the good news of Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah. But they don't stop there. They, they travel again across the island to Paphos. And what happens is, is they encounter two people. Uh, two, two people. Uh, one is this sorcerer. We, we see he's a very demonic sorcerer, an evil sorcerer. But we also uh, hear about this proconsul. And a proconsul at that time, right, the Roman Empire uh, was in control of Cyprus at the time. And a proconsul was like the governor of that region. And so this is the upper echelon of society. This is a very influential and powerful person. And this proconsul, uh, Sergio Paulus, he hears about 
Paul and Barnabas and, and the word of God spreading kind of throughout that region uh, in the Jewish synagogues. And Paul and Barnabas get kind of called in to share the good news of, of Jesus with this governor, with this proconsul, this Roman proconsul of Cyprus. And as they do it, what happens is, is this evil sorcerer, Alimus here, tries to persuade against, tries to come against the truth that was just spoken and, and tries to stop the proconsul, stop the governor for believing it. I want, to, I want to talk about just three points concerning kind of the spiritual opposition or spiritual warfare that we see here. One is an awareness that as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to have an awareness that spiritual opposition, demonic forces, are real. Number two is that we need to grow in discernment. We need to have discernment as followers of Jesus to know what is of the devil, what is not. Like, is that an attack from the enemy? Is that spiritual warfare or not? Uh, we need to try to grow and pray in discernment. And lastly, that we need to, to know how to uh, walk in authority and victory over demonic forces because of what Jesus did upon the cross. So the first thing I want to do is I just want us to be aware that spiritual warfare or demonic oppression exists. Some of you, this may be foreign. Some of you, you may be really aware of this, and this is very basic, right? That, this, that there's spiritual forces against God's people and God's church and God's kingdom. The spiritual warfare or demonic oppression is real, and it wants to thwart or come against God's people, God's church, and God's kingdom going forth. We need to know that. How much as God is in control and he's God, there's also the devil, the evil one, the one that wants to come against all that God wants to do in the world, wants to, to come against God's design, God's purposes, God's people, and God's church, literally the devil, the evil one, demonic forces, spiritual forces of wickedness. The Bible describes it in many ways. The desire of evil, wicked, demonic forces is to literally come opposite and against every good thing that God has in store for his people. Right? We see this so vividly in the Genesis story, in the first few pages of Scripture, that God had a design. God had a purpose. God had a plan for his people to be with his presence, free of sin, free of wickedness, free of evil. What happened? The devil messed that up in the form of the serpent. He, he, he tempted Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve fell, and, and sin entered the world. Evil, demonic forces messed with God's design and his plans and his purposes. And we've experienced that up until now and we continue to. There's evil demonic forces of wickedness that want to come against God's plans. And we see that very thing here happening. God's kingdom is going forth. Paul and Barnabas, led by the Holy Spirit, are preaching the good news. 
And all of a sudden, opposition comes. Persecution, opposition. The enemy, demonic forces are trying to come against the good news of who Jesus is. And what I want us to do as a people is not only do I want us to be aware, but also I believe that we need to have a healthy balance between not giving the devil too much credit and blaming everything on the devil, right? I, I, I don't know, but I, I know people like this. I know Christians like this. Everything in the whole world, car accident was your fault, the devil. Oh, my order that I just ordered for food is wrong, the devil. You know these people, right? That They just like blame everything on the devil, right? That's one end of the spectrum. And the other side of the spectrum is we don't want to be ignorant that the enemy is at work to try to stop God's work in us and in the world. And there's other Christians that, that just believe like, nah, nothing's the devil. Nothing's in opposition. That's just a coincidence. That's just something bad that happened. And all of a sudden, if, you, if you're not aware, if you're ignorant, if you're, if you're, if you're uh, not believing that the enemy's at work at all in the world, you're going to fall into his traps. You're going to be deceived. Um, you're not going to properly combat spiritual warfare because uh, we're lacking giving attention to it. But I do believe there's a balance there, right? We don't want to give the devil too much credit. Like, are you, that, to, like we don't want to do that. Because if we do that, and you can guess, we fail sometimes to take personal responsibility for things. I, I know so many Christians that just blame everything on the devil, but I'm like, oh, no, I think that's sin. Like, I think that you, the reason why that relationship you have is in conflict isn't because of the devil. It's because you sinned against that person and you need to ask for forgiveness or whatever it is. My point is, if we blame everything on the devil, we can fall into the trap of not being introspective and asking God, God, is that something that I did? Or is it just this fallen world or is it just sin? But we don't want to give the devil too much credit because we, we fail to maybe examine our own self. We fail to, uh, maybe, maybe we're examining the, the situation wrong and so we're not taking any accountability or... or, or, or uh, Allowing the Lord to do his work, if you know what I mean. But again, like I said, we don't want to just be ignorant of the enemy's schemes, right? 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, he says, For we are not to be unaware of his schemes. Because again, in the situation in Acts, if Paul and Barnabas were unaware, things would have been really different. But it doesn't just stop unawareness. The next thing that we need to be mindful of and grow in is discernment, right? Discernment. With Paul's example here, he was able to discern what was happening and attribute this sorcerer's activity to demonic activity. He was able to discern it and call it out and then speak against it. Nope, that's not right and that's not true. That is not God's heart. That is not God's plan. He was able to discern. He had the wisdom and discernment to know that it was the enemy schemes. And discernment can be hard because it's kind of learned. It's, it's, it's a muscle that needs to be exercised. The Bible would even call it a spiritual gift. 
It's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives us to be able to discern if that's the Lord or if that's the devil or if that's sin. Uh, it's, a, it's a filter. It's a triage, so to speak. Oh my gosh, this is happening in the world around me. Is that the devil or not? Is that the Lord or not? And I know that so many of us struggle with that. We struggle to discern whether it's the Lord or it's the devil or is that God or is that not? And what I want to do is as a people and as a church, I think it is so important right now, especially in our current climate and the bombardment of, of news and division and unrest and all that's happening in our world. We need to have discernment to know what's the devil, what's the Lord, is God trying to teach me that or is that the devil trying to mess things up? In church, how we grow in discernment is we first start by asking God to give it to us, to grow us. God, would you help me? It also is knowing the word of God and the truths of God and the promises of God so well that when we see something that is in contradiction, we're quick to go, no, that's not God. It's a combination of knowing the word of God and being led by the Holy Spirit. And it takes time, just like anything. It's not necessarily a science or an art. It's, just, it's a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual gift that is developed over time by the grace and the power of God to be able to discern what's happening. Is that the Lord? Is that the devil? Is that for me? Is that for not? Is that God or is that not God? I want to encourage us to grow in discernment, to think about it, to pray about it, to, to get in God's word and know it so well that we are able to discern what's happening around us, if it's the Lord or not. And then lastly, what we see here is Paul and Barnabas, don't, they're not only aware and they don't only discern, they, they in authority, in victory, in power, they say no. They say, no, that is not God. No, Satan, no, Elimus, that is not of the Lord. We're not going to receive that. In, in, in some sense, this is rebuking demonic forces that are coming against God's kingdom. And this is a very like literal interaction that's happening. And it very much might not look like this in our own lives but it very much might so, where there's demonic forces or there's lies or there's accusations. And we need to, with the power and authority that we have in Christ, say no. No to the devil. No to lies. No to accusations. No to things that aren't, again, aren't, aren't in line with who God is and the truth about uh, him for me. And the way that we can even walk in authority and victory over demonic forces or whatever, is that first and foremost, we need to know what Jesus did and why we even have victory, right? Colossians 2.15 says, in this way, speaking of Jesus' death upon the cross, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Our God, our king lives and breathes and reigns out of a place of victory. The battle has been won. Sin, death, and the devil has been defeated. 
He ultimately has no power over us. These spiritual forces of wickedness, these attacks, whatever it may be that come against God's people, ultimately are a lost cause. We stand as believers, those of us that, that are Christians, that have been forgiven, that have been bought with a price, that we've given our lives to Christ, we share in this very victory. And so we stand and we live and we breathe in a place of victory. And so we can, in authority, in God's authority, stand against anything that would come against God's plans and God's purposes in our own life, in the world, in our family. Like we can firmly stand upon the victory that we now share in the person of Christ because of the cross and the resurrection from the dead of our Lord and Savior. Church, Christians, we do not live out of a place of defeat. That's the devil. That's demonic forces. They're just trying to mess with us and get us off our game. And, and, and like, like this sorcerer to this pro-council, the devil is trying to, to stop God's kingdom going forth. To, to blind the eyes and cover the ears of the world so that they would not believe and come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Paul would go on to the church in Ephesus and he would talk about the armor of God, right? You should go there, Ephesians 6, and check out the entirety. But verses 10 and 11 says, this is his exhortation to Christians, to us. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Church, I, I in such a feels like unstable or maybe an insecure time when we feel overwhelmed and, man, just, just tired. I want us to be on guard against the enemy's schemes. Don't be unaware that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can hope or imagine in you, in your marriage, with your kids, with your families, at your job for his glory. But equally, the enemy wants to stop that and thwart that and distract you and lie to you and say God's not real and God's not there and you're all alone. That's a lie. It's not what God's word says. It's not what God's spirit says. It's not what God's heart says. I pray that God would fill you up to be strong in his power, in his victory, in his authority. That you would not turn to the right or to the left. You would fix your eyes upon Jesus. John 10.10 says, the enemy, what does he want to do? Come to steal, kill, and destroy. What does God want to do? Give us life and that abundantly. Don't be deceived. Don't be lied to that God in any way wants bad things for you or, or any like that. God wants you to have life and that abundantly. Church, let's be aware Let's, let's be aware, let's grow in discernment, and let's walk in authority and victory. Because God is on the move. God desires to be and meet and do mighty things in us and through us. But there is going to be spiritual opposition. But church, let's reach out, let's pray, 
Let's be reminded. Let's walk in resurrection power in our life. Amen? Amen. Let me pray, and we'll jump into this second set of worship. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you that you died on the cross. You defeated sin, death, and devil, and you rose again three days later, disarming the spiritual forces that want to come against us and your church. And in the way that Paul and Barnabas dealt with this situation here in Acts 13, we want to be a people that are aware, discerning, and walk in victory and authority against the schemes of the enemy. So God, help us to be students of your word, empowered by your Holy Spirit to do these things. Pray you'd fill our homes with your presence now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> 